You're listening to Connect Communities Podcast, recorded live in Stamford, Connecticut. If you'd like to know more about our community, stop by our website at www.connectcommunity.tv. Enjoy the message. I'm excited about this. We're kicking off our new series, our new June series. It's called Lit, and it's going to be lit. Yeah, there you go. And I'm starting today with a message, um, and let me pray, because I really believe that this message can be impactful and can be a turning point for many of us here today. So, God, I pray for every single word that will be said, every single ear and heart that's here that came to hear from you, Lord. And I submit this word to you, I submit my heart to you, my words, Jesus, and every single heart here, Father, we want to hear from you. So even if the words that are meant to be heard are not spoken, I pray that you whisper in each person's heart here, Jesus. Guide us closer to you. Drive us toward our purpose. In your son's name we pray. Amen. I'm going to start with a passage found in Leviticus chapter 6, verses 12 and 13. And it says, The fire on the altar shall be kept burning on it. It shall not go out. The priest shall burn wood on it every morning, and he shall arrange the burnt offering on it, and shall burn on it the fat of the peace offerings. Fire shall be kept burning on the altar continually. It shall not go out. There is uh, this thing that we all have in common, common. We all have this in common, whether you're rich or poor, young or old. We all recognize it. And we recognize it so much that we give people room. It's passion. We actually, if you, if you stop to realize, we give passionate people the appropriate room when something lights up on the inside. I don't know if you've had to do this, but uh, maybe in your house, probably over Thanksgiving dinner, you've had to apologize for a family member. And say so you have to excuse him. He just gets really passionate when this subject is brought up. Or maybe you had to say, uh, I don't know what it is, but this subject always excites her. And for some reason, she gets excited. So, uh, you know, just, you just got to give it room. Have you met somebody like that where, you know, they, they, they are talking to you and their hands are in their pockets? And everything sounds okay, the voice volume is low, and then a subject comes up. All of a sudden, you notice. (laughs) And the hands begin to go up. And as the hands go up, the volume goes up. And all of a sudden, they're talking to you. And you don't know why they're waving, and their hands are in the air, and things are, you know, just moving. And they're just really sharing what's in their heart and talking to you with all of their bodies and... You know, you're just going, what's going on? I have a friend who is passionate about politics. I think I'm the only one in this room who has a friend like that, right? (laughs) But uh, this friend is actually passionate about Connecticut politics. He was brought up in Connecticut, uh, grew up here. And he's a a low-key guy, you know. Every conversation is usually low-key, even Stephen, but you begin to talk about Connecticut politics, and you have a subject for hours. 
I love it because I like politics. I like debating and discussing things of the time. But uh, this friend, is in- it's interesting because sometimes I'll send him a text message and he replies with like a short two words. But if it's an article about what's going on, it's walls of text. <laughs> you probably have friends that also are passionate about different subjects. You know, I have friends that are passionate about sports. A lot of them live in a different part of the country, in another state. And sometimes, I, you know, when you go online and you see what they're posting, when you go to Instagram or Twitter or Facebook, they're so in the moment that you see a post and you have no idea what's going on unless you're watching the same game or the same report and, you, you know, things like, oh, that was great. You're like, okay, you could be talking about anything. But because you know them, you know that there's a game on, right? Or maybe it's something cryptic, like you, you, you think that they're being positive, like, oh, yeah, that was a good thing you did, coach. And then you look at the hashtag, and it's like, worst pick ever. And then you have to reread it. You know, it's just so exhausting because they're so passionate. <laughs> what fires you up? What makes your hands go up in the air? What stirs you on the inside? What is the thing that gets you going? And I'm not just talking about subjects, subjects that we, we talk about. I'm talking about what, what stirs you up on the inside that causes you to want to do something about that. You know, we live in an, in an age where it's easy to be overexposed. We are overexposed, and when we are overexposed, it's easy to get desensitized. Because there are causes everywhere. There is need everywhere. Everybody's coming at you and pitching something that you need to care about. And it's easy for us to listen to it all and to be aware of it and try to help in that way. Awareness is the name of the game today. As long as you share the post, as long as you repost it, as long as you retweet, you got that sense that you're doing something. And I'm not... You know, bashing awareness, it's, awareness is a great thing. It's a great first step. But you can be aware of things, even care about them, but not give yourself to it. Not give yourself to the cause that you were called to champion. And I think that I'm convinced that the enemy of our souls, the one who's fighting, the force who's fighting against the purpose of God in your life, the enemy of our souls is using every single thing in his power to keep, keep you and I indifferent. To keep you and I living our lives indifferently. You know, to care just enough to know that something needs to be done. To care just enough to know that there is a need, but not enough to do anything about it. To care just enough to realize that something needs to change on the inside that decisions needs to, need to be made, that actions need to be taken, but not enough to actually follow through and to take the action and to make the decision and to be disciplined to follow through with what needs to be done. I am convinced that the poison of this age in our lives is a kind of distraction that takes us away from what we're meant to do and meant to apply our lives into you know, the scriptures, has, the scriptures have a term for it. It's called lukewarm. It's not a pleasant term, 
but it's a reality that we face. And there's a passage in the book of Revelation. We're going through some awesome books here in the Bible. Started with Leviticus. We go to Revelation now. And it says, Revelation chapter 3, verses 15 and 16 says, I know all the things you do, that you are neither hot nor cold. I wish that you were one or the other. But since you are like lukewarm water, neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. Just to give you some context, the book of Revelation is a book written about the future. And these were letters. They're part of a group of seven letters written to seven churches. And these are the words of God to one of the churches. Saying, I wish that you were hot or cold, but because you're lukewarm, I will spit you out of my mouth. I used to think that this word was very harsh. I remember reading it when I was 11, 12, and thinking, my God, this is like serious stuff. And then later on, when I started to face some decisions in my teenage years, this word began to haunt me. Because every time I was, I was in a situation where I had to make a decision to pick a side, to pick a career, to pick a, a, some kind of commitment, this would just come to my mind and go, you got to be hot or cold. you got to be all in or all out. you got to decide. Because if you're lukewarm, bleh. And then I be, as, as the more I lived and the more I you know, began to understand this scripture, I began to realize that you and I, you and I actually a lot more like God when it comes to this passage, when it comes to this term. You and I are a lot more like God than we think. You might be here today. You're not a Christian. You've never been to church before. You don't even know much about God. But in a minute, you'll be able to leave here thinking, whoa, I'm just like God in this area. Because this word, lukewarm, comes from the original kleados, kleados, I think. And it's a word that actually means more than a constant temperature that is, not, that is neither hot or cold. I know that's how we understand the word lukewarm. But what this means is something that plays as hot. Something that can have the fervor. But when it's required or when it's, when it's called upon, it's inactive. There's nothing. It's actually not warm at all. The best way that I can use to illustrate this in, in, in our reality here today is this. You probably have a friend or somebody that you made a commitment with. Imagine that you have a friend. Imagine that you have somebody that you committed with to go somewhere. Maybe you want to go to a concert. Maybe you want to go out of town. Maybe you want to go play golf or you want to go do some shopping or you want to go study, go to the library, read some books. And you, you committed to that. If it's a concert, you bought the tickets, you are excited. You put it on your calendar. If you need a babysitter, you call the babysitter, and you are all in. And you're looking forward to the day. And when the day comes, about 8 to 12 hours prior, you get a phone call. And your friend says, yeah, I don't think I can make it. Have you ever had somebody like that? I don't really think I can make it. And you know the excuse is not a good one. If it's a good excuse, all right. But you know the excuse is not a good one. That's what the scripture is saying. It's somebody who plays like they are fully committed and all in. But when they are needed the most, they back out and say, ah, yeah, I'm not too sure. And that's what God is saying here. 
He's saying, you know, I wish that you were one or the other. And I can promise you, and I know, I would bet if, if that was okay, <laughs> that none of you here like that type of interaction. None of you here, before long, you would get sick of it too. And this expression is a very vivid, a very strong expression of spewing you out of your mouth. But actually, it, has, it begins with, it makes, it makes you sick on the inside. And if you've, if you've been through a relationship or a situation where you had to face that, and if you've had to face that again and again and again, when somebody stood you up again and again and again, when somebody, what, what happens? They begin to lose credibility. Isn't that right? And you begin to think, ah, maybe I shouldn't make plans with this person anymore. Maybe I shouldn't engage them anymore because I can't believe their commitment. That's what this word is saying here. Now, none of us were made to live like that. None of us are made to live lukewarm. This is not something we enjoy. This is not what we want. This is not part of our lives. It's not what, and that's what God is saying. Like, I wish that you would pick one or the other. I wish that you were one or the other. But you're hot and you're cold and you're yes and you're no. You're in and you're out. You're up and you're down. <laughs> you're wrong when it's right. It's black and it's white. You don't really want to go, huh? Yeah, you didn't know that Katy Perry is writing out of Revelations, huh? <laughs> Listen, if you want to be effective, if you want to achieve, if you want to see your dreams come to pass, if you have things on the inside, a calling, something that God is calling you into, you got to give yourself to it. And the way you do it is that you keep that fire burning on the inside. You keep that thing alive. You keep your relationship with God alive. You keep the fire burning because no one, no one has ever made any real difference in the world by being lukewarm. Nobody. You can read any history book, any, no one has ever made a difference in the world by being lukewarm. And that is the temptation of our time. And this is what I've, I've come to realize. That in our generation, our generation, the problem is not that we're lazy or that we don't want to do things. The, uh, the problem is overexposure. There's so much to distract us. There's so much to take our minds and our hearts off the thing that we are called to do. That we get busy with all the other things that we were never meant to do. That we were never called into. And we neglect the thing that actually brings fulfillment, that fires up our hearts, and that brings meaning to our lives. And I want to encourage you this morning to keep that fire burning, to keep yourself lit, to keep the altar burning every single day on the inside. Somebody that's a great example in Scripture is the Apostle Paul. If you're not familiar with him, the Apostle Paul started... His, uh, the, the account of his life starts in the scripture with him being on the other side. He was a persecutor of the Christians. He was, in very, every single form, an antichrist. He was, used to be called Saul, Saul of Tarsus. And he would get into homes, get into communities, get into villages where Christians were there. And he would arrest them. He would kill them. He would lead a crusade against the Christians. Until God stopped him in his tracks. Until Jesus came into his life. And then 
He became a Christian. Not only did he become a follower of Jesus, not only did he become a disciple, he became an apostle. And he began to do exactly what he was fighting against with the same intensity. This was a passionate guy. With the same kind of intensity. He was hot first against it. And he was hot later for it. And I used to think, how, how could Paul actually have become what he became? And it's because of this. He never let go of his passion. He kept the fire going. And there's a story in Acts chapter 14 where Paul is preaching the gospel in Iconium and Antioch, I believe. And then a mob is formed. They want to stone him. They want to punish him. A mob of the Jews, they want to take him out and stone him. And then he leaves. He's able to leave and go to Lystra. And in Lystra, he begins to preach the gospel. There's a gathering there of many believers, and he begins to preach. And he's speaking at them, and he's sharing with passion. And he's, you know, just sharing about the goodness of God, about the the goodness of, of Jesus Christ, the message of Jesus, the good news. And he notices that there is a guy, there's a man who was crippled from birth. His feet weren't right. And he had never walked in his life. And he noticed that he was looking at him intently. And so Paul began to look at him intently. And at the end of the message, Paul, re- Paul realized that that man had the faith. Scripture says that he had the faith to be made well. And when Paul realized it, he looked at him and said, stand upright on your feet. And the man just stood upright on his feet. And everybody was amazed in Lystra. And they began to shout and chant in Lyconium, their local language. They began to say, the gods have come and visited us in man form. The God have, has come, have come to visit us in human form. The gods have come to visit us in human form. And Paul was there with Barnabas. And they called Barnabas Zeus. And they called Paul Hermes. Because Zeus was the god of thunder and lightning and shower and rain. And Hermes was the patron of rhetoric. And because Paul was so good with rhetoric and speech, they called him a Greek uh, god. And they called the priest of Zeus, and the priest of Zeus actually brought elements to sacrifice to Paul and Barnabas. And when Paul saw this, he tore up his clothes, and he said, man, no, 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 you guys have it all wrong. I am just a man, just like you. I'm made of flesh and bones, but God has graced us. He has graced you too. It's because of his goodness that you have rain. It's because of his goodness that you have uh, uh, vegetation and fruit and, and, and that you have crops and that you have food. So he's rewiring their mindset as far as who they worship. But this is what happens. While he's doing all this, while all this is taking place, the same people that persecuted him in Iconium formed a mob with the people of Antioch. And the Jews from Iconium and Antioch came to where Paul was. And here's where we pick up in the scriptures, Acts chapter 14, verses 19 and 21. And it says, But the Jews came from Antioch and Iconium, and having persuaded the crowds, they stoned Paul and dragged him out of the city, supposing that he was dead. 
But when the disciples gathered about him, he rose up and entered the city. And on the next day, he went on with Barnabas to Derbe. When they had preached the gospel to that city and had made many disciples, they returned to Lystra and to Iconium and to Antioch. What Luke is writing here is amazing. And we can brush over this and think about, oh, yeah, okay, so he just went back. But think about this. Yeah. Have you found that kind of passion in your life? That kind of passion that when you are rejected, when you are pushed back, he was stoned. He was left for dead because he was preaching the gospel, because he was doing what he was supposed to do, because he was fulfilling his purpose and the call of God in his life. He was left for dead. And when he gets up on the same day, he goes right back in it. He goes right back into the city. And he makes disciples. And he goes back to Lystra and Iconium. And Luke makes sure that he mentions the cities of those people that actually stoned him and afflicted him. He went right back into it. He went right back to passion, into the thing that he was called to do. Have you found that kind of passion in your life? Have you found that kind of fire in your life that... Even though enemies might try to get you down, even though situations may, may try to push you back, you get right back up again and you say, you know what? This is the purpose that God has called me to do. This is what's in me. This is my calling. This is what I'm meant to do. I'm going to get back up and I'm going to go back into this. I'm gonna do Have you found that kind of passion and fire? I want to light a fire into you to make sure that the fire is always burning on the inside. That you honor the call of God in your life. That you look at your life and you say, I will live for my purpose. I'm not, live, I'm not going to live distracted. I'm not going to live for the things that don't matter. But I'm going to focus into my purpose. The thing that God has called me to do. And I'm going to give my life to it. Come what may. Come what may. This is a great, great example a great example. This same Paul, this same apostle, he wrote a letter to the Romans and he said this, Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor, serving the Lord. Nothing about the message of Jesus, nothing about this life that we are engaging in, nothing about the gospel encourages you to sit down. Nothing about this message encourages you to take it easy, to live your life subdued. Jesus was always calling people higher, always saying, you are a light. You are the salt. You can make a difference. There's gifts on the inside. God so loved the world that he gave his son. He was always calling us up higher. He said that he made, that we, he came, that we, make, we may have life more abundantly. Nothing about this life encourages you to stay and remain comfortable. This life is always stirring the gifts on the inside. It's always calling you higher. That's why every time you come here, we will encourage you. We will embrace you. But we'll never pat you on the back and say, just stay right there where you are. We're always going to encourage you to stand up. You can do it again. Stand up. You can rise again. Stand up. You can try one more time. Stand up. God has a purpose for your life. And that's my encouragement to you today. To live your life in a way that there's a fire on the inside that is burning. You can get up again. You can rise again. 
I don't know if maybe you're here and you know what you're meant to do in life. But you saw too many walls. You faced too much resistance. And you don't know what to do about it. Let me tell you this. If you have a conviction on the inside that that is what you're meant to do, get up again. Walk in again into the purpose that God has called you. Commit to it and let this fire burn on the inside. You want to see you flourish. We do. We want to see you serve God with passion. But this kind of life costs something. It does. And just like it did Paul, this kind of life will expose you. It will expose you to criticism. It will expose you to resistance. It's risky. But I promise you, I promise you, it's the kind of life that will bring you fulfillment. It's the kind of life that will lead you to meaning. You will find meaning in your life when you are connected to your purpose and you're giving your all to see it come to pass. Every single one of you here this morning, you have a purpose to fulfill. You have a call of God in your life to fulfill. You know, and we're here to encourage you to connect you to God, to connect you to others so that you may see your purpose come to pass. You may be here and you say, JD, I don't know what I'm supposed to be passionate about. I really don't know. That's all right. JD, I don't, I don't really, I'm not, I'm not, my purpose has not been defined to me. I want to I I find it. I want to discover it. That's all right. You know, typically your purpose is connected to that thing that you can do that's really hard for other people. But for you, it comes easy. Typically, that's, that's where it lines up because, because God gives you the tools to operate in the gifting and the purpose of your life. Like for me, there are certain things that just, they're just easy for me. I can sit at the, on that keyboard and listen to a song and I can play it. I can follow any song just by hearing it. It's, it's a gift. You know, some of you, you're good with numbers. Some of you, you're good with people. When you sit down with somebody, they just open up. It's that easy. And maybe you haven't even noticed yet, but people are drawn to you. They want to tell you their things and their life. That's a gift. You know, some of you, you know, you're good with giving. You have a gift of generosity. You're great. You're a great giver. And I want to encourage you to find avenues to connect your purpose to your life, to the life that you're living. See, if you're still searching, or if you're here today, and you're like, J.D., you know, I, I regret to say that I've been tempted to live my life lukewarm. I really want to engage. I really want to pursue it. But when, when it comes to it, I'm just too busy. I'm just too weighed down with everything. Let me give you one step that you can take. I'm going to give you two, actually, but the first one is this. Love God. Love God. Put God first in your life. And this may sound a bit abstract, but the way you play it out is you just start your day saying, God, I give you my day. Help me live this day with you. And then have God in your heart asking for his guidance, asking for his wisdom, tuned in, grateful for his love for you. See, I see, I see, I can see a group of people right here. I can see passionate people rising that will proclaim the goodness of God right here in Stanford, Connecticut. I can see it. I can see God raising up a people 
that are passionate about sharing his goodness, sharing his love, and changing our surroundings for him. Because it's inevitable. Once it gets in you, it's going to come out. And the second thing is connected to that is love people. You know, if you're passionate about God, you're going to be passionate about the things that God is passionate about. And the number one thing that God is passionate about is you and the people around you. So you know what? This week, this is a challenging word. But it's a word that we need. It's something that we need on the inside. We need this in our lives. This week, when you get a whisper in your ear to say, help that person. Give them a call. Send them a text. Check on them. See how they're doing. Check on your neighbor. Maybe they need help mowing their, their grass, their lawn. Call your cousin. Check on your parents. Do that. Follow those promptings. Because God will usually awaken your, the purpose in your life when you're connecting to others. If you connect to God and you connect to others, you will connect to your purpose.